Welcome to episode four of Informed Aging, a podcast about health, help, and hard decisions for older adults. My name is Robin Roundtree. I've been a family caregiver for six years. Currently, I work for Senior Helpers, servicing Orange, Osceola, and Seminole counties in Central Florida. My co-host is Edith Gendron. She's the Chief of Operations for the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center in Central Florida with nearly 30 years of service to elders. She's a positive approach to care certified trainer and a former family caregiver as well. We made this podcast because we work in the industry and we've been family caregivers and we want you to know what we've learned that most people actually don't know that they should know. So the thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast belong to us, not our wonderful employers or sponsors or guests. So if you want to get mad, get mad at us and not them. So today we're going to untangle Medicare, Medicaid, and all of that confusion with our guest, elder law attorney Kathleen Flamia. We'll be right back after these messages. For over 35 years, the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource Center, ADRC, has served as a Central Florida-based grassroots nonprofit and community resource center. They're dedicated to providing support and hope for families and individuals caring for a loved one with some form of dementia. ADRC empowers caregivers with the knowledge, support, and programs to help them prepare for and cope with the challenges that lie ahead. To learn more, visit the website adrccares.org. Senior Helpers is the only home care agency offering a revolutionary new way to approach senior care, the Life Profile Assessment. This data-based app is a crucial tool in helping seniors age safely and successfully at home. Combined with our proven in-home care programs and trained caregivers, the Senior Helpers Life Profile is leading the way to better outcomes for our clients. For more information, log on to SeniorHelpers.com. Let me welcome our guest, Kathleen Flamia. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing very well. You have a very impressive resume as well. We just have all the overachievers on our show, don't we, Edith? We do indeed. We really do. She's a Florida bar board certified elder law attorney. Um, Everybody I know in Central Florida knows your name. So um, you're very good at what you do. And thank you for the service you give to our elders. Thank you. Absolutely. Explain to me a little bit for the people who don't know how an elder law attorney is different than another kind of attorney. So elder law is a specialty, just like in medicines, there are specialties. Do you have a cardiologist, a lipidologist, what have you? Um, Elder law focuses on people with disabilities and their needs, as well as the elderly and their needs. So we differ from an estate planning attorney because we view holistically the person and what they need. Um, Generally, we start with legal documents, one of the most important being the durable power of attorney. I'm often asked, what's the difference between a durable power of attorney and a regular power of attorney. The difference being the word durable means that if after you sign the power of attorney, you become mentally incapacitated or incompetent, the power that you give your agent or attorney, in fact, continues on. So your agent can continue to act for you even if you aren't mentally competent. 
Okay, so my mother has given me, for an example, power of attorney. But if she is then diagnosed with dementia, the power of attorney does not hold? It does if it's a durable power of attorney. So you need to look for that language in the power of attorney itself. Okay, so other than that DPOA, durable power of attorney, what legal documents should be in place? Well, you know, everybody thinks that estate planning is planning for what happens after you die. But there's a very important part of estate planning that deals with what happens when you're alive. And we call those documents ancillary documents. Um, The durable power of attorney, uh, which allows someone to handle your finances. The healthcare surrogate, which allows someone to make a medical decision for you if you are unable to do so. The HIPAA release, which is really important, Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, and that allows the people that you've listed on that document to talk to your medical providers and access your confidential medical information. And then your living will, which of course states your end-of-life choices, and lastly, your declaration of pre-need guardian. And that's the document that says if anybody goes to court and files a petition saying I'm not mentally competent, and they try to get appointed guardian, this document tells the judge who I want my pre-need guardian to be. Oh, that's very important. I hadn't known about that one. Yeah, that would solve a lot of family trauma, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. It's really the most important document sometimes when it comes to looking at a guardianship when there's family disputes, um, and it's most often left out of estate plans. Huh. Well, Get that one done, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, because Edith and I have heard more than our fair share of drama, as I'm sure you have, Kathleen. Yes. Especially in families, right, Kathleen? Absolutely. It will tear even a good, strong, loving family apart over and over again. Okay. So see Kathleen and get all of those forms done. Some people think, oh, I don't need that, but I don't know of anyone who shouldn't have that. Everyone over the age of 18 needs these forms. And that includes your college students. Because Mm. once they turn 18, they're adults. And if they're in a medical clinic or a hospital, you can't access their medical information. They have a job without a, and they haven't signed a durable power of attorney. You can't go collect their paycheck or break their lease at their apartment complex. Wow. Okay. So not just elders, everybody needs this stuff. Right. Go ahead and what's your website? flamialaw.com f-l-a-m-m-i-a-l-a-w.com wonderful all right so now let's explain health insurance for the elderly when i was taking care of my mom i was so confused and i had to sit down and learn the difference between medicare and medicaid so let's start there Right. So it's six months before you turn 65, you have to sign up for Medicare. Um, And there's traditional Medicare, Part A and B. Um, Part A covers various things, as does Part B. And you don't pay for Part A, but you do pay for Part B, uh, basically based on your income. So what happens is, typically, that Part B premium is deducted from your Social Security check. So you have your traditional Medicare that covers certain things. But if you just have traditional Medicare, not everything is going to be covered. So that's why it's often important to pay for a Medicare supplement. 
And that's something that in the past, employers would pay that premium as part of your pension. But we we don't Uh. really see that these days. So while you're healthy enough to qualify for a Medicare supplement, and as you're, once you turn 65, you are going to want to consult with a Medicare person to decide what plan is the best one for you. And you are going to pay for this plan, okay? It, and it's going to cover the 20% that Medicare doesn't pay for. But if you have traditional Medicare and a Medicare supplement, you're going to have to pay also for a Part D prescription drug coverage. Wow. Okay, wait a second. So Medicare Part A free, Part B we're going to pay for, the supplement we're going to pay for, and Part D we pay for. Correct. Okay. So a lot of people don't think of that when they're planning for their retirement either. Um, And just to confuse you even more, Robin, Mm -hmm. there's something called a Medicare Advantage plan. We're going to start seeing ads. Actually, I've already started seeing them on the TV for the Medicare Advantage plans. So what are they? Medicare Advantage plans combine traditional Medicare with parts of a Medicare supplement, and they throw in that Part D, the prescription drug plan. So I have many friends who are a a little bit, just a little bit older than me, that now qualify for Medicare. And they proudly tell me, I have a Medicare Advantage plan because I get silver sneakers and I can go to the YMCA for free. But what they don't realize, and this is the most important thing in my world, is if God forbid something happens to them and they're in the hospital and they go to rehab, when they're in the rehab facility, oftentimes the Medicare Advantage plan is going to give you less rehab than a traditional Medicare plan, which is why many times when someone goes into a rehab facility, either the social worker or the business office manager are, are going to talk to the family about switching the person to mm-hmm. traditional Medicare. And then, of course, they have to buy a Part D prescription drug plan. For I, I mean, if we had more time, I can tell you horror stories about the lack of rehab and a Medicare Advantage plan. But that is the other choice of Medicare plans out there. Uh, I step on that same soapbox because I work at Senior Helpers. We provide in-home care. So many families say, oh, my gosh, they're discharging mom. She's not ready to go home. Help. And so then they have to pay a lot out of pocket to have in-home care when if they would have been on Medicare, it would have been paid for for them to stay. Kathleen, I have a question with regard to what we're talking about. When we have someone call us at ADRC and they say, they're trying to discharge my mom and she's really not ready. We say call Kepro. Do you agree with that? Who is that? Kepro. K E P R O. They are the quality assurance oversight for the nation. Um, and there is an 800 number, and I apologize, I don't know it off the top of my head. And there is an office, I believe, in Tampa here for Florida. But um, they have helped some people. Do you agree with that? Or That is one option, clearly. Uh, the other option is to appeal the decision. Okay, so what happens is, you know, an unexpected illness or injury happens to you. And You go to rehab, and of course, the family's thinking their loved one's going to be as good as they were before this incident, Mm. but that's not reality. So with Medicare, it's like once you get, in simple English, as good as you're going to get, 
And they, you don't need rehab to stay at that level. You're not going to improve to another level. They're going to stop paying for rehab. But it's also important to note that the nursing home has to have what's called a safe discharge plan. So I've represented clients whose husbands uh, or spouses were going to be discharged, and the person at home has their home own health issues, and they say, I cannot take care of my spouse. I, ca- I cannot take care of them on my own. And so that nursing home has to have a safe discharge plan. Now, of course, I've heard horror stories about them putting people in a taxi and sending them to their home alone. But that's another reason why you want an elder law attorney is because we can advocate for you. We know the federal law on discharges. We know the federal law on when they try to kick you out for lack of payment. So there's many reasons why. But the bottom line is you got they have to have a safe discharge plan for you. But to go to your original question, Kempro, or you can appeal the Medicare decision. Okay, thank you. Okay, and if you've got Medicare Advantage, you can also appeal yes. there. Okay, so that's Medicare, where we talked about Part A is free, and then there's a bunch of other things you need to pay for. Medicaid, how is that different? So there's probably about 13 different Medicaid programs, but the two that we deal with the most are ICP, Institutional Care Program, which is what pays for nursing home. Um, And when I say it pays for nursing home, it pays the difference between basically your income and the nursing home bill. So you can see where that would be a huge value to someone. And a lot of times people think you have to go broke to apply for Medicaid, but there are federal laws that we take advantage of as Mm. elder law attorneys to take what you have and make them exempt assets for Medicaid purposes with full disclosure to the government so that we can save your money in a different way, and you don't have to lose everything to apply for Medicaid. The other program we deal with the most um, is the Home and Community-Based Services Program, uh, which basically will either provide some help in the home, um, and it starts out at about 8 to 12 hours a week, by a person that they send in, Or, as mentioned in episode three of this podcast, uh, the PDO, the participant directed option, where they pay you or another family member a much smaller amount than what they're paying an outside person to care. Um, And the other thing is you can pay yourself under that if your durable power of attorney allows for self-dealing language. Because under the law in Florida, you can't act as an agent or an attorney in fact for a person and benefit yourself unless you specifically have language that says you can self-deal and do something to benefit yourself. And that is so helpful when it becomes a full-time job and a half and you need some help with the groceries because you're spending so much money on mom. So you kind of think, I think with a good heart, no, I'm not going to need any money from mom, but go ahead and have that provision there just in case. Right. Yeah. So Medicare is for the traditional retiree, but Medicaid is income-based, correct? Medicaid, if you don't have long-term care insurance, Mm -hmm. if you don't have cash, money, to pay for your long-term care needs, which, by the way, everybody says they're not going to need, then the only (laughs) option we have is Medicaid. And Medicaid is joint federal-state dollars. So 
to get qualified for Medicaid, I always say there are three, you know, there are three columns. There's the basic eligibility requirements. You have to be over the age of 65 or declared disabled by Social Security Administration. You have to be a Florida resident, and that's a really easy test to meet. We call it the butt in the bed test. So if you move your loved one down from New York or Tennessee mm-hmm. into a Florida nursing home bed, they're a Florida resident. Right. There's no six-month wait or anything like that. And then there's the financial requirements for both you and your spouse. So you are the Medicaid applicant. Your spouse, if not applying for Medicaid, is the community spouse. You can have $2,000 in assets. Uh, Your spouse can have $130,380 in countable assets if they need your income. A couple things, though. Your house is an exempt asset. If the if you're married, you can have a million dollar house. If the equity is, I want to say under six thirty six hundred thirty thousand, if you're a single person, you can have a car. You can have a second car if it's over seven years old, under twenty five years old. Um, you can have a life estate if you lived in it for more than one year. An irrevocable prepaid burial or cremation plan, and separate it out from any other money and you fill out the appropriate DCF form, you can shelter for $2,500, up to $2,500 for you, and in another account, up to $2,500 for your spouse for burial expenses, additional burial expenses. Okay. Who that was a lot. I know. Now you know why I'm serious, why I say, please, please call Kathleen Flamia. Yes. we, We just, I encourage our people to say, that instead of trying to explain what Kathleen just did because it's very complex and you're dealing with people's money and mm-hmm. you do not want to give um, the wrong advice. I used to have people when I was in a different position come into my office literally in tears because they had listened to someone who was not qualified to talk about this and it can be you know, years and years and years of, of struggle and, and hardship. So right. please, please. So applying for Medicaid is not something you just print off two forms on the internet. No, No. you just rolled your eyes. So for our listeners, (laughs) that is not the case. (laughs) There's also an income limit. So if the gross income of the Medicaid applicant is more than $2,382, that needs to be fixed by a qualified income trust or a pooled trust. So the spouse, regardless of the language and the power of attorney, under the federal law, can create that trust for the Medicaid applicant if they're not mentally competent to do that themselves. Otherwise, you have to have specific language and the power of attorney to allow you to do that. And if you don't, you have to go to court and and get a court order to allow you to do that. Wow. I think at this point in what we've learned, it just goes to uh, support a statement that a young friend of mine said, he's a financial planner, whatever you have in place today, regardless of your age, that's your plan. And for many of us, that's not much of a plan. Right, right. And so you're talking about nursing home. But would Medicaid pay for assisted living, which is not quite the level of care? Right. So that's a great question. And that's what um, was talked about in episode three a little bit. So you would apply locally to the Senior Resource Alliance. And it's really important um, that you understand that there's a priority level. And the higher you are on the priority level, the quicker you're going to get services. It is a statewide wait list. So if someone dies in Orange County, there's a spot open, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to have more spots open in Orange County than you are in Brevard County, okay? Because Brevard County is smaller. Okay. Um, Typically, it's like a year and a half to a two-year wait 
to get those services unless you're very high on the priority list. And the difference between how Medicaid pays in assisted living is they give what I think of as a stipend, a set amount of money, maybe twelve, thirteen hundred dollars a month towards the assisted living facility. So if your income is twelve hundred dollars a month and they're giving thirteen hundred dollars a month, that's twenty five hundred dollars a month. But if the bill is forty five hundred a month, mm-hmm. somebody has to pay that difference, right? right. It's not going to pay the difference between what Medicaid gives and the bill like it does if you're in a nursing home on Medicaid. But a nursing home, is that is a very high level of care. So just because you're having trouble walking to the bathroom, that's not a get you, that you will not be in a nursing home. Right. Correct. Again, you look at those activities of daily living, walking, feeding, bathing, toileting, dressing, and transferring. Transferring is getting uh, out of the bed and standing up without holding on to anyone or anything. Right. So those things, most of them you're not going to be able to do. That requires the nursing home. But let me add, too, with the medical requirement, if you have a cognitive impairment, like one of the types of dementia or Alzheimer's, then they're, and if that's a primary or secondary diagnosis, the doctor notates that on the 3008 form and, and takes that into consideration as to whether you need assistance or supervision on those activities of daily living. So that's also taken into consideration. One of the things that's important to remember when we're talking about assisted living is that um, there are agencies out there that can help families locate assisted living, but the majority of those agencies will tell you honestly up front that if you're looking for a bed, if you will, or a placement that involves Medicaid, they cannot help you. Yes. Um, so you're really kind of on your own. So we're back to you need that elder law. Can you tell? Yes. <laughs> I yes. mean, if, if, if there was one wish I could grant everyone, it would be, you know, elder law attorney in their world. Yes. So to get on Medicaid, I've heard some prices that were a little insane, it seemed to me. $12,000 being charged to somebody who doesn't have money, is that just the the cost of filling out the forms and the knowledge of what you know, is that typical? First of all, if they don't have any money, they don't really need an elder law attorney. Okay. Um, but it depends on how much is being saved, and it depends on what's being done. Okay. So to me, that sounds like a Medicaid plan, an application, a qualified income trust, and a petition to go to court and get the community spouse income. So, no, it's not outrageous. And that's actually, in this area, low. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have heard other law firms charge significantly more than that. Wow. Wow. Okay. So you definitely need the elder well, law attorney and to guide you through that. And you, you need to think about it in terms of the value that you're getting as well. Right. If, if, you know, say $8,500 is a Medicaid plan and application, which is like the general fee, right? Um, that's a, a little less than actually one month of nursing home care. So while uh, that figure of $12,000 sounds really high, you're helping people save the money that they have for about one month of nursing home care. And when you say it like that, you realize the value that you're actually getting. I've never heard it explained that way. It does make a lot more sense. Wow, $8,000 a month for a nursing home. Actually, closer to 9 and 10. 9 and 10. In a nursing home, private pay, yes. 
And if you're talking Ooh. about assisted living for someone with a cognitive impairment, mm-hmm. you know, we, we toss around the term memory care, which is not a legal term, by the way, oh. regardless. I, they usually start between sixty-five dollars and $7,000 a month. And you would know better than I, Robin, but mm-hmm. the last time I checked... 24-7 in-home care was right around $10,000 a month. 11000 It's more, more than that yeah. now. I'm not yes. surprised. It was, that was a number of years yeah. ago. So um, if there was a bumper sticker on my car, it would be being old is not cheap. Right, <laughs> so. right. An expensive proposition. <laughs> it yeah. really, really is. So the more planning you can do with legal, with your financial planner, it really is going to help have those senior years be less stressful. If you do have a disease, you know, we all want to, you know, stay alive until we're 99 and pass away in our sleep. But that's just not what is going to happen to the majority of us. Oh, we're running marathons. Oh, right. (laughs) Kathleen, I have one uh, one more question. We often, almost always uh, say to people, please call just for a consult. You'll you'll pay a fee for an hour, maybe two hours time. Sit down, tell your story, and then the elder law attorney will in turn advise you. And go from there. Do, do you agree with that? Are I we do. Give, okay. And one of the things I do in my Medicaid consultations, and I know people that are calling about Medicaid to help find payment for long-term care are stressed, but I do ask that they do their homework and fill out forms because I don't just tell you what I just said to you, Robin, right. about the qualifying for Medicaid. I look at specifically what you have, and I tell you, how we can save it. Like I tell you the different options, depending on the language and the power of attorney, what we can do to save that money. Um, And let me also say, and no segue really, but retirement accounts, we can make that an income stream. So a lot of people, their biggest asset is their house, exempt asset for Medicaid, and their retirement account. So you don't have to spend that town. You know, once you're 72 and a half, you have to take out your RMD, your required mandatory distribution. So the government for Medicaid says if you have a periodic payment come out of that account, I like it monthly, mm-hmm. and it's added to your other sources of income, the whole value of your retirement account isn't isn't counted as an asset. Oh. So that's a huge, huge fact that people yeah. need to know. Yeah. 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 All right. Don't Every single time I listen to you, and it's been years, eight, push a nine, I learn so many more new things every single time. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. You're more than welcome. Don't go into your later years alone. <laughs> get the advice you need. Get the paperwork you need. Thank you so much, Kathleen Flemio, for being on our podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Lots of great information. You want to give your website one more time? Oh, sure. So the phone number is 407-478-8700. The website is flamialaw.com. Thank you so much. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast, Informed Aging, and tell your family and friends about us. If you need to reach us, email us, informedagingpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was recorded at Digital Broadcasting's podcast studio. Instagram and Twitter, we're at informed underscore aging, facebook.com slash informed aging. That's all for now. We're looking forward to our next visit.